Here, there, and everywhere. SAFM 105.1 FM in Johannesburg. Yeah, in case you just uh, joined us and wondering about uh, this background noise, we're coming to you live uh, from the Africa Shared uh, Value Summit. I have to add that it's 2018 because um, it started last year in 2017. So it seems like the progression uh, is, is, is quite positive, judging by the numbers. A lot more of our guests are talking about how it's grown as well and um, it, it's deepened in, in conversations. And one person who's nodding uh, to what I'm saying is Akiva Bibi, who is a regional director uh, for Centre for Creative Leadership. Good afternoon and welcome to SAFM. Thanks for having me on your show. Let's talk about, uh, I mean, you were here last year and, and I saw you nodding as I was confirming that most, more and more people are saying it, it's grown um, and the conversations have deepened. Um, but are there any tangibles that we can put time frames to? So I, th- I think I think firstly, before we even go to tangibles, I mean, a significant shift from last year was was last year was sort of socialising this concept of shared value, mm-hmm. and if we look at just over the last year in terms of and this year the people that are in the room, they're they're much more real cases of how it's actually showing up, uh-huh. and and more importantly, they're they're networks of people that didn't even know they were working on similar projects. Mm-hmm. And, and and that's been quite a significant insight for us, you know, those of us that have been involved with the Shared Value Initiative is really localizing it, you know, taking a very American thinking mm-hmm. and it's becoming much more localized because we hear much more stories around what's happening, not just in South Africa, but are from Ghana, from Kenya, etc. And, and I think that the more we hear those stories and the more we understand what shared value actually looks like practically. Yeah, yeah. It makes it easier for business to kind of understand how it actually plays out in the corporate market. And the question, I guess, um, becomes how do we then leverage on innovation for social change? So, so a big thing that's come up, and it's a theme that I've, you know, the work we see within from a leadership perspective mm-hmm. is is the, the ability for leaders to trust each other has been a significant theme throughout. Where, where there's a breakdown of civil society, of governments, and of corporate leaders, for example, not being able to trust each other, we see that just the, the ability to have shared value happen is almost yeah. impossible. But the stories we're seeing where there's collaboration Mm-hmm. and where government and civil society start actually partnering together, mm-hmm. those kind of stories want to want to bring to the rest of Africa and say, this is how it's done. And there are more and more people here even who are actually practically networking and working out how to actually do it together. And, and are there any um, windows of opportunities that are rising, uh, be it from a business perspective and, and how ordinary citizens can be part of this change and shift? So, so that really is, is the work that I think SHIFT and the Shared Value Initiative is trying to do right now. Mm. And you'll see more of that communicated where the, the challenge is you have this great idea, everybody gets excited, and then yeah. what? Yeah, exactly. You know, and what yeah. does it mean for you and me? Exactly. So if we don't have some center of where to find it and where to find the right people, mm. you know, the ordinary citizen out there, it's just some fancy idea which means nothing. Mm-hmm. So what, what the Shared Value Initiative is trying to do and, and from us involved in developing leaders is to start having 
actual projects and people coming and finding a platform where both businesses and the social sector and the NGOs and those in civil society can start now actually having a connection and, and connecting the dots. Mm-hmm. And, and that's going to be a significant shift, I think, for all of us to start looking for. And that's what Shift, the actual organization, is, is pushing to create a, a business opportunity. Sure. And, and how do we then, um, you know, as much as yes, we're business people and we're more interested in the bottom line, um, that as we bring about uh, development, it's meaningful and it's, it's a development that it matters to the communities where we serve. So, so when, when we think about, you know, intention and you know, a word I like to use, purposeful accountability, you know, it's really, if, if we want to create any technology in the world out there today, you use payment systems because you trust the system. Yeah. So too with the government and so too with the public and private sector. The opportunity we have today is is how do we start actually tangibly starting the, what we call the African narrative. Uh-huh. How do we start creating stories that that you and me can not just relate to but be part mm. of. And I think we're, we're at an incredible opportunity in South Africa, for example, mm. where we have a shift now in government. And there is a window of opportunity to start leveraging the narrative and let people understand that there is a new sense in the air. Yeah. But if we don't leverage it, nothing's going to happen. Storytelling is, is um, an African concept. And how do we then package this um, that it makes sense to those with money? Because um, as much as we want to drive the agenda as Africans, can we afford it? Yeah, and, and look, at the end of the day, when you, when you strip away all the niceties, it's going to come down to what's in it for me. That's it. That's exactly it. And, and, and the, the challenge now is to take, and it's the challenge with any great idea. You've got yeah. this great concept of shared value, but unless we can give it a tangible space mm-hmm. that if I'm a corporate and I'm running a multi-billion dollar organization, I see this as, as a strategic imperative to the survival of my organization to have a better competitive advantage in mm-hmm. the marketplace, then if we don't have that story coming out clearly mm-hmm. and practically, then the Shared Value Initiative will very quickly lose its grip. And, and a lot of us who are working with leadership teams are trying to help mm-hmm. them not see it as a do-gooding kind of exercise, but rather this is how you really create real customer centricity mm-hmm. and how you create relevance in a very interesting marketplace like South Africa and Africa. Akiva, we've got to take a news break um, and when we return, I'd like us to talk a little bit more about what would be the matching orders of this particular summit and um, how are we going to measure uh, the impact of, uh, we talked about the previous year, it's 2018 now, a lot of money goes into planning these activities, but where are the results? Utsile Sako is up next with the news headlines. At SAFM Radio and at Positive GP on Twitter. And that's us. Yes, uh, we'll read your tweets live on air. Um, you can join us also on Facebook at SAFM Radio. And we also um, welcome uh, your SMSs at 40938, charged at uh, only 150. And uh, you can hashtag us, SAFM Lifetime Live. And welcome. Uh, this is that time of the day when people munch out. It's lunchtime, as you hear the background noise. Um, yeah, the, the summit um, uh, attendees are having lunch 
uh, right now. We're broadcasting live uh, from the 2018 Africa Shared Value Summit at the Maslow Conference Center in Senton. And with me in studio is Akiva Bibi, who is a regional director uh, for Center for Creative Leadership. And I asked a question, and I am sure he's had to ponder the answer. And the answer is... <laughs> Well, you, you kind of go straight to the heart, right? So you already put me in a corner here. Thank you, thank you. Because if we don't answer this question, I'm afraid, I mean, we'll keep having these conferences and conversations and no result. Well, and and where's the money? Where will it come from? And, and, that, and that's where sustainability kicks in. Because, that's it. Because if, if we can't bring it down... Again, we've got to know that, that this is something that's not going to happen in isolation with a couple of NGOs driving it. If this doesn't become an imperative of business, and when it becomes an imperative of business, business wants to know, okay, how is this going to bring value to me? What are the metrics? What's going to yeah, yeah. drive it? And, and that really boils down to, on a day-to-day -day basis, you know, in the leadership space that we work in, is you know, we know that your KPI, your key performance indicators of what metrics you measured by and how I reward you drives your behavior. So if, if we're not having this conversation and we're not getting clarity in it, then again, to your point, we have nothing. So coming back to what does it actually look like and what yeah. are the actual metrics? What we're seeing is the corporates that are getting it right. And so I can, I'll give you two perspectives. Those are getting it wrong and those are getting it right. Those are getting it wrong are not making an intrinsic part of their strategic drive in terms of how they drive the success and sustainability and competitive edge of their organization. And for that, corporates need to view it as if they're viewing this initiative, shared value, as a nicety, I, would, I wouldn't even enter the conversation. Yeah, yeah. But, but if, it's, if it's how we get stickiness and how we grow into Africa and how we become part of the economy and build the economy towards us not just growing our balance sheet, which is very important to corporates, but at the same time making sure that the markets we're in are going to be sustainable markets. That is a strategic drive, and it's a, and it's this is where it gets interesting. It becomes a strategic narrative mm. because when the public starts seeing mm. that the way you're engaging our society, even is, the language connects exactly, is trustworthy. Where you start creating better trust connections with government, with the public, as in the the communities that you're serving, yeah. suddenly whatever products you're selling, so to speak, if you're a big corporate. You're no longer seen as a as a as a product seller, but as a partner. And the partnership shift in the mindset of big corporates is a massive one, right? And 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 a lot of us are doing a lot of work to try and help corporates move from this colonial top-down. Yeah. Let's try extract as much money as we can out of the economy and mm. going. Well, in Africa, we're not sure if that's really working that well. And to go, mm. how do you partner with Africa, co-create with Africa, and share in value where you're going to make better profits? in the long term and short term. Now, now for that, if you want a simple answer, I would be cheating you. <laughs> but there yeah. are cases, and, and, I, and I think part of what, share, what the Shared Value Initiative is trying to do is show businesses how that's working, and there's some very significant businesses who are actually getting better revenue yeah. and sustainable revenue and better competitive edge you know, in the marketplace. And, mm. and anyone who speaks about Shared Value, if they're not speaking about it to a business in terms of what your competitive edge is, I'll get nervous if I'm a business. Yeah. And, and I guess that, but, but the narrative to a community is different. The and seed the, is planted. We yes. continue the conversation. So if we have, in a year's time, and this is my question to us, in a, year's, in a year from now, 
what is it that we want to see? What's that one narrative, one story mm-hmm. that as, for example, in South Africa, that we want to go, we're getting this right. And I guess that's a question that as leaders in the communities we serve, we need to work out not what's a nice, fancy concept, yeah. but you know, if we look at each other, what is it that we've done that's actually creating incredible profitability for business and more importantly, creating an incredible societal shift. And South African president would say, send me to Mamina. Let me recognize what my role is as we build a South Africa that all of us would be proud of. And, and here's the opportunity. Maybe it's not about him solving it on his own. And that's part of the share value thinking. Is, Absolutely. And is, that's why he says, send me. Thank exactly. you. Thank so you. Thank you, you very much, me. Akiva. Thank you very much. That's Akiva Bibi, who's regional director uh, for Center for Creative Leadership. And uh, here's some Angelique Kijo Agoro. And we continue celebrating Africa Day. This is an annual commemoration of the founding of the organization uh, of Africa Unity. And... Uh, yeah, we continue having this conversation after uh, Angelique Kijo.
Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Uh, yeah, it's a Friday. I almost forgot that uh, it's our child day, right? <laughs> Where we get to have a little bit of fun and uh, laugh out loud. All the usuals are, are still uh, in place, even though we're broadcasting live uh, from the Africa Shared Value Summit. And that was Angelique Kijo saying Agoro. And uh, I, I'm, I'm interested in knowing what it is that you're doing uh, to connect to your Africanness uh, wherever you are. How are you celebrating? Africa Day or how are you commemorating, marking it, uh, whatever term you're using um, to connect to uh, this particular day, do share with us. Uh, we are on Twitter, we are on Facebook at SFM Radio and we also welcome your SMSs at 40938 charged at 150 and uh, we also welcome your WhatsApp voice notes on 0614-104-107 You can also give us a call on 891 104 207. Uh, we are going to be talking to Amanda Ndiki, um, who is joining us as an author, a life and business coach, um, to t- talk to us, those of us who are in relationships and you're not sure whether this relationship is it serving me, um, is, is this person really uh, loving me or are they abusing me? Uh, she's joining us uh, right now on the line. Good afternoon and welcome Amanda. All right, uh, let's try um, uh, that uh, line again. Uh, It seems like uh, we're experiencing challenges uh, with that line. I know for a fact that she's waiting uh, for this conversation. Just spoke to her a short while ago, um, and she's going to be focusing on, uh, you know, how do you know that a person is being abusive um, towards you? How do you know uh, that a person is being abusive uh, towards you? and, and it, it seemingly that many of us, we sit in relationships where it's, it's dysfunctional and you are not happy. Um, all right, let's take a short break. Uh, this is what happens with live broadcasts. Let's take a short break. We'll be right back. Here, there, and everywhere. SAFM. 106.1 FM in Durban North. Here, there, and everywhere. SAFM. 106.2 FM in Zanin. We are all over the show. 104 to 107 is where you find us. Uh, we are called uh, SAFM Radio and uh, we welcome your comments, uh, questions. Uh, we are both on Twitter and Facebook. And uh, right now, Amanda Diki is with us. Uh, she's author, life and uh, business coach. And she's going to tell us about how do you know that the relationship that you're in is not serving you no more. How do you know that you are in an abusive space? Amanda, good afternoon and welcome. Thank you so much for taking our call. Thank you so much, Kishora. Good afternoon. You can go ahead and um, uh, to share with us how exactly is it that uh, uh, we get to see when a person is abusive. All right. You know, I was saying, I think it's important we start talking about abuse in, 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 in general as human beings 
without putting in the gender equation. Because sometimes we miss it because we outline just women and, you know, we are all broken as human beings. And if we start understanding and analyzing abuse from a human perspective, then we'll be able to, to see those red lights, those red flags that say, this is an abusive person. And I was just wanting to say, let us share, let us talk and not be reactive. You know, we've become a reactive society that when there's a story of abuse, that's when we want to react. But after that, nobody says anything. And even beyond that, no one wants to talk as to what are these, what are these symptoms that say to me, this is a potential abuser, you know. And symptom number one, I, I, I normally tell people, you know, the extremely possessive and jealous kind of people. But now this becomes a problem to an insecure person because an insecure person interprets this behavior as love. And, and an abuser will defend it this way. But healthy people do not endlessly scrutinize who their girlfriends are, who their boyfriends are, or what are you up to in, in a relationship. They're not controlling. But the problem becomes that insecure people and people who have not found who they are, they tend to interpret that behavior as, no, she loves me. The fact that she's insecure, she loves me. A person must be jealous in love. And these are the signs we just take for granted. And we talk, you know, when we're with our peers to say, no, jealousy is normal, but there is a healthy jealousy and unhealthy jealousy. So those are things we need to, to, to check when we, when we start to be in these relationships. So I'm not sure if this is engaging, Chrisada, or I just talk on my own. <laughs> or I should go on, you know. That's why we and call it a wow <laughs> moment. You just go on. <laughs> All right. And sometimes they display a smothering and controlling behavior. How do they do that? You know, abusive people often seek to control every aspect of another person's life, you know, and they normally don't allow their loved ones to have their own views, their own lives, their own schedules, or their own possessions. And, you know, this goes normally even in abusive husbands or abusive wives. They don't even allow their spouses to have life, to go and buy something that they want. You know, the other day I was dropping a, a conversation, yeah, it's wrong, but this woman was actually saying she does not even know how much goes into the account. All she knows is um, the, the partner takes care of everything, and then she's just given money, and she's told what to buy. So there's no sense of independence in those type of relationships. And these are things we also need to, to, to look at and sometimes they are unpredictable. They have extreme mood changes, you know. You, you meet a person today, some people say they're bipolar. Today you meet them, they're extremely happy. Tomorrow they give un, uncertain signals, you know. You, you would send a message and this is what people, when you send a message, they don't respond. And then they will respond after two days. Everything was normal, you know. And you find people asking a lot of questions in relationship this time. But is it okay? Is it normal? And we give excuses, prefer that to say, maybe he's going through something. Maybe, he's, you know, he's got a lot on his plate. And these are signs you need to, to, to look at. And I mean, we were talking about the royal wedding last week to say, if a man loves you, there are no excuses. You know, if a woman yeah. loves you, there's no amount of excuses. You know, um, I mean, the princess has two kids. 
the teens went against all odds to marry Megan. So if a person loves you, if a person respects you, and if love is healthy and pure, you there work you it out. There is no excuses, there's no uncertainty in the relationship. And abusive people tend to bring uncertainty, they tend to bring toxic, toxicity in the relationship, they tend to make you even doubt yourself. Sometimes it's Thank you, Amanda. We're done. <laughs> We're done. <laughs> We're done. Uh, but thank you. Thank you so, so much um, for reminding us uh, because it's all good and well uh, to have these insights and uh, we talk about what to look out for. It's another uh, to act on what it is that uh, you have been previewed to. Thank you so much uh, for reminding us uh, to look out for abusive partners in our midst. That's Amanda Ndiki, author, life and business coach. And that was our words of wisdom. And uh, right now, let's uh, have uh, Nali Bali, and uh, in the second hour, we're going to laugh and uh, eat and a whole lot more. Bali. It's time for a story. A time where we can journey to many places and meet different faces. The King's Secret, retold by Carissa Dien Rudd. Every one of us has something different that makes 